Welcome back again, everybody, to another episode of What's Important Now, the podcast from the United States Border Patrol Academy, where we talk about things that are important to the men and women of the United States Border Patrol, their families, and those we serve. Now, today I want to talk about a very special topic. It's something that uh, most people don't think about in the lives of law enforcement officers, but that's our partnerships. That's the the people that we have to work with on a day-to-day basis that we depend on to be able to do our job the right way. This is not something, the law enforcement mission is not something that can be done in a vacuum. It's not something that can be done by any one person or any one organization. It actually requires that we collaborate and partner with people that are members of our communities, uh, uh, our elected officials, uh, our non-governmental organizations, and it's a big part of what we do. And so today, I wanted to bring somebody on that I think is probably one of the best examples of that, uh, that can talk about what the partnerships mean for us and what they mean for them. Today, we're very honored to have U.S. uh, Representative Congressman Henry Cuellar with us. Congressman, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Chief. So before we go on, I want to tell, as if they don't know already, but I want to tell everybody (laughs) a little bit about your background and how you're coming to us. So this is your eighth term in the U.S. House of Representatives. You represent the 28th Congressional District, and that includes Laredo, Mission, Rio Grande City, San Antonio. So the border is a big part of your life. Correct. And I also know that that runs in the family as well. That we is correct. <laughs> Sheriff Martin Cuellar, a friend of mine that uh, worked with in Laredo. It's a big part of his life as well. So you also, you're the only Texas Democrat on the U.S. House Appropriations Committee. You're the vice chair of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security. And you also serve on the Defense Subcommittee and the Subcommittee on Agriculture, Rural Development, Food and Drug Administration, and Related Agencies. That is correct. And if that wasn't enough, (laughs) you're also the chief deputy whip for the 117th session of Congress, and you work in bipartisan manner all the time, uh, basically to serve the American people. Now, you also happen to be the most degreed member of Congress, and I want to tell everybody what I mean by that. So you earned your associate's degree from Laredo Community College, summa cum laude, You enrolled in Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., and you finished your bachelor's degree while working a multitude of jobs, part-time jobs. From there, and you graduated cum laude, and from there, you went uh, back to Texas, and you completed your master's degree in international trade from Texas A&M University, TAMU, and you earned both a Juris Doctorate and a Ph.D., in government from the University of Texas at Austin. Now, even though I'm an Okie from Muskogee and I'm a diehard Sooner fan, that's 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 very impressive. I'm sorry. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Slow motion. Hello. Yeah, that's, that's painful whenever we lose to him, but thankfully that hasn't happened in yeah, a long no, time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so you also uh, received a professional certificate in budget and finance from Georgetown University. You actually practice law. And you're a licensed custom broker, uh, and you taught at Laredo State University, which is now TAMU, as an adjunct professor. You eventually decided to go into politics full-time, and I want to talk about what that means to you in a second. But before you got into the Congress, you actually were a Texas state representative. You were the Texas Secretary of State. You've, You've been an educator. You're a lawyer. You're a family man. You're a business owner and a partridge in a pear tree. Hmm. So very impressive. And, and what I, I bring all that up because you see things from a perspective that I think is going to be beneficial to the men and women that are out there doing this job. So whenever you speak, I want them to hear that perspective and that background. But let's talk about you for a second and, and what drove you to get into politics. 
Yeah. Look, you know, first of all, we all get defined by many, many things in our in our society, and then uh, our parents are probably the largest uh, influence that we have. And I learned a lot from my dad and from my mother, Martina and Odilia Cuellar. Um, they were migrant workers. Uh, they knew how to work with their hands. In those days, uh, they were taken out of school to go work in the fields. A very different type of world. Uh, my parents just knew a couple words in, in, in English, but I learned from them how to work hard and how to get a, a good education. Uh, education is the greatest equalizer that we have. So when I was growing up, uh, I just felt that, uh, you know, I wanted to do something. And even though I wanted to become an attorney and, and all that, I wanted to get into politics because I thought that was the best way I could help. I always looked at politics this way. If you live in a house uh, and you're going to be living there and you see that maybe the windows are broken, you fix up that, uh, that broken window, the door needs a little paint and you paint that. Uh, maybe the fence is falling down, you fix that little fence up because that's going to be your house. So you want to make that your, your, your house uh, a good place to live. Same thing. That's why I see my community. I wanted to do something to help uh, on that. And as a state representative, I went in. I did a couple things. I created the first children health insurance program uh, in the state of Texas at the Farias Elementary School, mm -hmm. which you're familiar in Laredo. I created the, uh, I was the author of the largest Texas scholarship in Texas history, the Texas grant that provides you know, uh, hundreds and billions of dollars for students that want to go to college. So I wanted to do something uh, there and, and that. I did the same thing as a state rep, uh, as secretary of state, and now as a congressman. I, you know, I want to make sure that I can create things to make our community better. So it was very simple. My house, I want to make it a better place to live. That's great. And I think a lot of people don't think about that for all the things that we may see on television and in social media. But People get into politics to serve. They, they want to serve their country or they want to serve their people and they want to make a difference. And I think uh, in whatever capacity you choose to do that, whether it be in, in law enforcement or whether it be in the military or, or running for an elected position, these are folks that feel a calling to, to serve a, a greater good and you're included in that. So I think it's easy to, uh, to form partnerships and talk to and work with folks like that because at the end of the day, we all really are working toward the same thing. We want to take care of this country, this place that we live in, and the people that we live in it with. That's correct. So coming up in the border, you obviously were familiar with the Border Patrol, and you probably have seen us your whole life. Talk about how did you perceive the Border Patrol? When you looked at us and you saw us growing up in, in Laredo, uh, what did you see? What was the Border Patrol to you? Yeah. You know, the, the Border Patrol, when I was growing up, I would see them. I wasn't very familiar with them. But as I started, uh, you know, growing up and started seeing, you know, they, they provided, in, in, my, in my viewpoint, security. Because when you live on a border, you want to make sure you have law and order uh, all across, not only in the interior, but also the, the border itself. And if you look at it, you know, Border Patrol, local law enforcement, other law enforcement, you you know, you know all have made the border a very safe place to live. I mean, there's all these narratives about how terrible it is, but, you know, I always look at the FBI stats. If you look at the FBI stats for rape, murder, assault, and let's just take murder, the average murder in the United States is about five murders per 100,000. The average murder rate along the border average is about two and a half murders per 100,000. So we're below that. 
Um, you know, people say, hey, you're from the border. What's the most dangerous thing about the border? I say, well, when I fly to Washington, D.C., that's probably the most <laughs> dangerous thing. And I'm not talking about the politics, but take Washington, D.C., where I work. The murder rate there is 15, 16, 17 murders per 100,000. Laredo or some of the other areas might be two, three murders per 100,000. So the border where you all spend a lot of time, you do spend time in the interior, but the border, the work that you have done, uh, the work that other law enforcement has actually made the border very safe compared to other parts of the, of the, uh, of the country itself. So I certainly want to say thank you uh, growing up. I can say this, um, you know, the, uh, the, um, I, I grew up, uh, as a state rep, and I worked with people like uh, Jose Flores, uh, who's an attorney and you know, you know does did work for Border Patrol. So I, I, I I've spent a lot of time with Border Patrol, and I have to say this: um, I respect what y'all do. Uh, in fact, in the appropriations, I get what we call a fellow. Uh, that is somebody from an agency. I have a military fellow. I have an ag fellow. And I have a Border Patrol fellow, Stacy Forbes. He's been with me five years. Usually it's one year. He probably is going to retire with me <laughs> at my office. And But, I mean, I get the insight of what you do and how you work and what's uh, important for Border Patrol. And certainly I, I know that you see it firsthand. When I was in Laredo, we spent a lot of time uh, together talking about and seeing things that were going on. And, and much like now, there's, you know, it, was, it was very busy then as well. And I will say this, coming from, you know, the, the center of the country, from Oklahoma, and having no idea what the Border Patrol about, was about or, or what it was like to live in the border communities, I love them. I, I, I miss Laredo. I, I miss living in, uh, in, in the Rio Grande Valley. The food uh, is pretty good down there, isn't food's it? food's phenomenal. <laughs> the food is phenomenal. But you're, you're exactly right. And that's one of the things I think is important for our trainees and people that are, that are going to the southwest border to keep in mind that, yeah, there's a busy job. There's a lot going on. But some of these communities are really great places to, uh, to, to raise your family, uh, to live, sure. and, and, to, and to put down roots. I think that does not need to get lost in the narrative of, yes, it's busy. Yes, there are dangerous things trying to come into the country. That does not mean that these communities are bad or these communities are dangerous. They're actually very good in a lot of cases for your families. Outstanding point, and Laredo is a good example of that. I, I tell you, I had never, if you would have asked me when I was little if I ever thought I'd see myself living in Laredo, <laughs> no idea, but I'm thankful every day that I did. Yeah. Outstanding. And you're right, border communities are very, very supportive of law enforcement, very supportive of law enforcement, uh, very supportive of law enforcement, very supportive of the military, uh, because that's one thing, you know, especially in an area, let's say Laredo is an example. It's about 96% Hispanic. It's the most Hispanic city in the whole country, uh, percentage-wise, uh, according to the U.S. Census. And, you know, in our culture, we respect law and order. Uh, we respect law enforcement and um, uh, and certainly the military. This is why, you know, I got three brothers or peace officers, um, including my brother who served 27 years in DPS, uh, narcotics and intelligence, and he ran for the sheriff, and he's been the sheriff there for many years, Martin. Uh, so, you know, the border communities are very respectful, very supportive of law enforcement. And that's a great point. First off, uh, absolutely correct about Martin and the things that he's done serving his country as well. He was a great partner in, in Laredo uh, when I was there. You mentioned about how the border communities perceive law enforcement. I think that can get lost in the narrative that you will see on social media and in some news outlets that, that maybe everybody hates law enforcement nowadays. And there's, there's definitely that, that narrative that's out there. But 
That's not true, is it? There's, there's no, a lot of no, folks no. that uh, that really are behind law enforcement in that mission. You know, it's like when this movement, um, I don't know if I should use the word movement, but when this concept about defunding the police and all that, you know, I disagree with that. I mean, we got to support our, our, and when I say police, I'm talking about law enforcement, sure. whether it's Border Patrol or whatever the case might be, sheriffs or policemen, we got to support law enforcement because as I've said, a society doesn't exist as a society without law, and, uh, without law and order. Imagine if we didn't have law and order in our society, any community, where you know you could play for keeps and nobody was going to hold you accountable. No, you got to have that law and order, and this is why I see uh, law and order or the uh, law enforcement officials as a, a very integral, a very important part to our society. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's an important thing for anybody getting into the law enforcement profession, especially today, to keep in mind. You can't always take everything that you hear at face value. There's actually a lot of people that, that are appreciative of mm-hmm. the job that they're doing day in and day out. And sometimes I think the ones that uh, maybe are, are negative are the loudest. And so it maybe drowns out some of the, uh, the other narratives. But I've seen that as well. I, I felt that support in, in Laredo. I felt that in the Rio Grande Valley certainly working with you and, and, and your brother and and uh, and I think that that just gets overshadowed sometimes by what you see on social media so oh, yeah without a doubt I spend a lot of time with um, you know as I tell some <laughs> of my colleagues I don't just come visit the border for a few hours I actually live there I drink I drink the water there you know <laughs> I have breathe the air and all that and 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 I spend a lot of time with um, Border Patrol uh, folks uh, you know union folks like Hector Garza uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, management, you know, like yourself when you were down there, Jason, you know, people like Matt Hudak or, or Chief uh, Hastings or other folks, you know, we spend time because that's how you learn uh, about the work that y'all do. I mean, just talking because a lot of times people just see, you know, something on social media, on TV and say, oh, that's it. But, you know, the, the job that of a law enforcement official uh, agent is so it's not as simple, I think, and I, I don't know it as well as you, as, you know, as you do, but it's not as simple. I mean, now it's not only law enforcement, but think about, you know, the people that are coming into the U.S. now, the family units and the owning company kids. I mean, I was at Donna, Texas just recently in Ansadua, and you got law enforcement people, Border Patrol, that are, uh, you know, let me say this, uh, babysitting. And your job is not to babysit. Your your job is to enforce. That's one of the reasons why, you know, a couple of years ago, I created the uh, border processing officers to kind of have those folks do some of that work, the support work, and have you all be uh, on the line, on the front line, because that's where you all belong. Uh, I want to do the same thing for OFO, you know, the men and women in blue, because when you take them from the ports, and I saw them there at, at Donna, you know, with the kids, and it's very important work. But I think, you know, they belong at the ports of entry, at the airports, at seaports. You all uh, belong, you know, where you are supposed to be doing your work at the at the at the border, whether it's the northern border, the southern border, or other places. Uh, that's where you all belong, and and that's why I've been. As, as supportive, you know, fighting for some of the retention bonuses that I added some time ago. We need to revisit that. The pay, uh, you know, has to be looked at because, look, you know what happens, uh, you know, to some Border Patrol agents. Um, you have a young man uh, that might be, I'm not going to mention any cities, but might be somewhere out there in the middle of nowhere and 
all of a sudden, you know, say, hey, this is this life is different, or they got a family. The schools might not be as good as other places, and sometimes you lose some, you know, attrition to, you know, they might want to join ICE or they want to maybe join the, you know, the men and women of Lua at different time because your job is difficult. It is very difficult. People have no idea of what it is. You know, I've spent some time, you know, with Hector Garza and some of the other Sergio and some of the other uh, folks in the middle of the night, and, and I think about it. While some of us are asleep, you all are working securing our border. Uh, in the middle of the night, and and that's what people need to see. I couldn't agree more. And I, I you know, that makes me proud. Some of the things you mentioned: number one, the border processing coordinator. You just mentioned we graduated the very first class here uh, last week, and and what that does for us, it, you know, it gets those folks into those holding centers for the border patrol, so that they can take care of the detainees that are that are already in our custody, and it gets those men and women that are agents back out to the field on patrol where we need them to be able to do that border security mission. The one thing that's always struck me, and you, and you mentioned, you know, taking care of the children and the, and the family units, and it's not necessarily in the job description of a border patrol agent, but they do it willingly yeah, the, they every do. day. And, and I saw that in 2014 at Rio Grande City, and I, and I yeah. saw that in Laredo when we were there. And it, it, they answer the call no matter what. And one of the things that doesn't get talked about is that aspect. There is a humanitarian side to this job, to, to wearing this patch, being a border patrol agent, the rescues that take place every single year in the hundreds. Yeah. You know, there, there's videos out there of our folks pulling people from the river, giving them CPR. There's uh, there's these stories that don't get recorded where you'll have a snowstorm in the desert and they're, they're out there rescuing the folks from the cold. Those are the things that, that make me proud, and you're absolutely right. And even if it's not in the job description, they never, they never fail to do it. And that's one of the things that makes me proud to be a part of it. And I know you've seen it too. You talk about it, and, you, and you've been a, you know, a, a pretty – strong champion of, uh, of putting those stories out, and, and, and I thank you at a personal level for it. This is all because we're partners. This is because, uh, so, you know, Congress being the, uh, the legislative branch, you, you make the laws that we enforce. You give us the funding to be able to go out and do the things that you want us to do. You can't do one without the other. Talk to us a little bit about how important partnerships are in government and in doing a job like the Border Security Mission. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. Um, you know, we ought to see you have the legislative branch, you got the judiciary branch, you got the executive branch. And and it's not us versus you or you versus us or whatever. You know, it, it is a partnership, like you mentioned. Um, and in order for us to do our job better, for example, I'll take myself, in the appropriations for Homeland, uh, the way I do my job is, is getting the facts, you know, knowing what, what the needs are, talking to folks, and not just seeing a piece of paper. I mean, it's actually talking to the men and women uh, on the ground, uh, not only your rank and file, but, you know, folks like leaders like yourself talking to see what's important. For example, why is it that in certain areas, you know, you got some of your cameras that uh, are not working? There are analog cameras. Uh, and uh, why is it that sometimes, you know, you know, you have some vehicles that have so many miles on it. Uh, you know, why is it that sometimes they give you radios and they might not uh, work also because they forgot to put something where they bought that? And those are the things that we, you know, when we appropriate, we might put the, you know, 50 plus billion dollars, but what about the details? And that's where that partnership, knowing and talking to each other, uh, is so important. And I can tell you whenever I came into the Border Patrol, 
there was a lot less of that communication that, that took place. A lot of it was you know, stay quiet and let the politicians do their, th- do their thing and we do ours. And it's hard to fathom how things functioned back then because now that's not who we are. Now it is about the communication, the open dialogue, the transparency, the, the effort to educate and make everybody aware so that at the end of the day they can make the most informed decisions possible. Folks like yourself rely on that right. to be able to do your job. And vice versa, if we're not communicating with you and we're not letting you know what we need or what we feel is important, it's very hard for you to champion those causes or champion those efforts, no matter who you represent, no matter where you are. Yeah, and I think um, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we we don't know, you know, I mean, imagine. In the appropriations, we deal with the whole federal budget, you know. It's in a total, you're talking about over $4 trillion. Most of it is on what I call automatics, Social Security, Medicare, and all that. But the $1.3 trillion that we look at, uh, we just, we don't know everything. Uh, we, we have to get information and get briefings and all that. And I think this uh, communication, I mean, you don't lobby me, but you provide me education. You provide me the facts, and that's how we can do a better job. This partnership, talking to each other, having this communication uh, is going to be so important. Um, yes, I, I hear from your congressional uh, liaison folks, of course, uh, but uh, but if I'm somewhere um, walking um, one of the pods in Donna or walking under the bridge in Anzaldúa or you know spending some time with uh, you know uh, Senator Joe Manchin and um, and uh, Matt Hudak and we're walking around you know asking questions, it's important. You know what works, what doesn't work. Uh, you know what are the techniques that the bad guys are doing because the bad guys are very they're very agile yeah. and they got all the money uh, that they have and, and you know, we got to work in a different type of system so knowing how to make sure that we're proactive against the bad guys the only way we're going to know that is by talking to you that type of partnerships that uh, you mentioned and of course the fear always is, is uh, you can't get political we don't get political and it, if you distill it down, our job is really very simple. We don't have to worry about the politics. We just simply present what the objective facts are, according to us as subject matter experts, being there and doing the job. That's very different than somebody taking a campaign approach. And, and, and so we talk to the uh, to the trainees, and we always give them the same advice. Look, you, you in the course of doing this job, you can have your opinions. Everybody does. But in the course of doing this job, that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. We are representatives of the United States federal government, and we are charged with doing a mission. And we can provide that subject matter expertise to whoever to better inform their decisions without getting political. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. I mean, it, we all have our own opinions. Uh, you know, some are Democrats, some Republicans. We have our own opinion. But to do your job, you got to be a professional. It's like, um, you know, let me use sports as a uh, as an example. I mean, look at the, um, you know, some of these uh, football players or basketball players or baseball. Man, once they get on the field, all they do is they do their job. And they're professionals. Same thing as, uh, you know, your job as, as uh, you know, as an uh, agent, a Border Patrol agent. You go and do your job. Uh, imagine if we let politics swip in and, and, and then all of a sudden, well, we're not going to do this because, uh you know, we're, we're, we think it's wrong. Oh, we're not going to do this because this and this. Then imagine what would happen to any law enforcement uh, uh, agency. And this is why it's important. You have your opinion, but you do your job. And I would say in defending Border Patrol, because, you know, there are some folks that 
might not like Border Patrol, and there's some of us that were, I think we're champions, and we have your back. Uh, but I always say, look, if you have a problem with a policy, that's one thing. But don't have a problem with the men and women. Uh, because well they're, they're the ones that you know do the job. If you have a problem, don't blame them. Blame the policy. And we, <coughs> can, we can change the policy, but the men and women are just doing what they have to do. No, well said, well said. And that that is something I think that, that needs to be said more often. And as, as the men and women graduate and go out and start to do this job, they can't be afraid to have those relationships and to build those coalitions because that's what makes us all better. We learned that lesson, I think, after 9-11, where we had to start communicating and working together because, as you said, the bad guys are out there and they are doing that, and they're always looking for ways to exploit and to beat uh, our defenses, so to speak. And that is, at the end of the day, what we're charged with doing the Border Patrol. We're charged with protecting this country, its people, and and our way of life. The immigration aspect, folks coming in, that's uh, that's a humanitarian side that, uh, that, that that we take on, and we do so because we care. We were hired by the American people to go out there and keep bad things and bad people from coming in. And if we can't have those communications and build those partnerships, it makes it very difficult to do that job and do it well. And it, and it sets up the, the bad guys out there with the advantage. That shows you, uh, like you said uh, very well, that it's a changing environment. And an agent has to be able to adapt to this changing environment. You're hired to keep bad people or bad things from coming into the United States. That's your mission. If you look at the mission, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, but there's a, a you know, a new change in environment where now we got the humanitarian relief. Uh, and, um, you know, now you got some kids, uh, you got family units. Uh, the profile, you know, that you and I have always talked in the past, it was single male adults coming in looking for a job. Now you're seeing the unaccompanied kids and the family units, and if somebody gets in trouble, then that's where the you know the you know the the, the goodness of a agent comes out uh, as law enforcement. But you're going to help that that you know humanitarian part of it, and that's what we're seeing right now at some of the you know places like Andana and other places across the um, uh, across the border. Let's talk about a different type of partnership. Let's talk about the communities. You made uh, reference to this when we were talking to the class, which you just, you were the keynote speaker for class 1153. That was a, that was a great honor for them. You should have seen the smile on their faces whenever they were talking. But the, uh, there's a different type of partnership that exists that you also represent. When we go and we get stationed to any given area, we become part of those communities. You know, when I was stationed in Laredo, yes. I was a part of that community, you know, and I took pride in that. And you made reference to this earlier. You Are you going to be that type of person that just goes out there and, and does the job and then goes home? Or are you going to be involved? Are you going to get involved? Are you going to make neighbors and friends and become a part of that community? That's a partnership as well. Absolutely. I think being a partner with the community is essential. Uh, imagine if everybody just did their work, worked you know, their hours, went home, next day show up and that's it. You know, what about the needs of the community? I mean, there's some young kids that need mentors, uh, might not have a dad, might not have a mom, they need mentors out there. Uh, you know, let's look at the youth of the month where, you know, in, in Laredo and other parts, you all celebrate the successes of young kids are doing well in school. 
uh, uh, or the Youth of the Year, which is something that I helped establish. The Youth of the Month was Jose Garza. Youth of the of the Year is something I suggested to uh, Chief Garza uh, some years ago, and, and 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 that one is just to celebrate. Uh, not only because a lot of times we look at the bad thing, the bad side of people, but there are so many good things about people. The 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 youth is so important. Uh, becoming mentors to them. Uh, the explorer clubs that you all have That's also. Right. Yeah. Getting involved with the community. But it's not only that, but it's also, you know, I mean, just be involved. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, there are people that need mentors out there. And, uh, you know, you all are great mentors. I always say you don't have to turn on the TV or travel a thousand miles to find your superhero. A lot of times the superheroes are right close in our neighborhood and our communities and this is where you all can play a very important role so yes i encourage your um, men and women to become part uh, of it uh, of the community in whatever way in whatever way they want to be but be part of the community give well, back well said and it it has the added benefit of letting the communities get to know us and it helps them see not just an agency wearing a green uniform, but the men and women that do that job at a personal level. It, it, it brings a human side to the organization that is responsible for securing the border, and it shows them some of the, quite frankly, amazing men and women that are out there doing this job. If we don't open ourselves up and we don't allow ourselves to, uh, to be approachable be, you know, and, and get to know the members of the community that we serve, then they won't, and they'll just uh, they'll they'll take their direction, they'll take their narrative from somebody else who wants to, who's quite content to take the lead and and make it about some other agenda. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I think it. Um, you know, I don't want to say builds the reputation, but it uh, it it enhances uh, your standing in the community because if they see border patrol do this and do that, and whatever the you know the community uh, involvement is, that's good because when people know you they fear you less. It's when they don't know you and they hear things that it can be dangerous because then they develop a narrative. It could be a false narrative. So that involvement is actually good, not only for the community, but I think it's good also for the reputation or the awareness of what Border Patrol does. And, you know, there are some communities, uh, and I keep using Laredo as an example, because I've seen Border Patrol very involved uh, with their schools. Uh, and involved with the Explorers Club. And, and in so many ways, uh, I, I see Border Patrol uh, involved, and that, that builds confidence and that builds support from the community in uh, Border Patrol. Because, you know, I don't know how it is in every community, but um, it might be in some communities, it might be different feelings. But in areas like Laredo, when we see you as part, you go to church, you go to the store, your kids go to our schools, you're involved, that's good for all of us, all around. Absolutely, and if, if my history is correct, so the, the term COP uh, refers to an acronym that used to be Constable on Patrol, yeah. and you would have uh, basically a police officer walking the beat, and because he was out on foot, he would interact with the public. They would get to know him, and they would, uh, that would, they would talk to him, open up more, and vice versa. And as technology progressed and as we started getting you know, radios and vehicles and that kind of caused a, a pulling away. And so that, uh, you know, the, the community engagement was tougher because you weren't out there as much. And it becomes now an active effort on our part. Mm -hmm. We have to get out there and make the effort to get to know those communities. We have to show that it's something that we want to do. We, the Border Patrol has you know, 
ranchers liaison, has a border community liaison. That's true. That's true. These are all programs and efforts that, because we recognize the importance of those communities and those folks that, uh, that make up those communities, and we actively, have, it's not something we have to wait for them to come to us. We have to go to them. Yeah, and that part you mentioned, uh, the uh, ranch liaison was very important because, you know, I represent a lot of rural areas. And years ago, you know, I had ranchers that were complaining, oh, you know, this and that and that. And we need we need to, uh, you know, have more communication with uh, Border Patrol and you all establish the, uh, the, the ranch uh, liaison. And that's been very successful uh, on that because you develop that relationship, not only in the you know, urban areas, but and especially in the rural areas. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the government layers. I mean, the uh, ranch layers on, which is good on that. And and let me say something else. Um, some years ago, um, I learned something. You know, one of your agents, uh, Hector Garza, I keep bringing him up. You know, because we talk a lot. Uh, he said, you know, Congressman, you should recognize some of the men that have saved lives. You know, because they they usually see Border Patrol. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. So I said, sure, you know, I thought it was gonna be one or two people. He provided me two pages of examples of what, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, jumping in the well, mm-hmm. jumping in the river, uh, in the desert, uh, you know, putting your lives at times uh, at, at risk. Um, and, and I was just amazed. So, you know, I need to start that again, now that you mentioned it, but I used to provide congressional recognition to all those men and women, and it was just amazing because you look at the stories, and I keep telling people, "Hey, Border Patrol actually saves lives. They actually saves uh, life out there because you know, I mean, you go into a desert, you're gonna probably run into trouble. You run into a river that think doesn't have an undercurrent, you probably will have some problems on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the things that you know people need to be aware of what you all do in saving lives, and this is part of the the awareness that needs to be developed so you can develop that uh, partnership with the community. Well said. And that, just by virtue of the fact that they're out there, they're going to come across, uh, they're, they're working in the desert, That you know, that's a place that people are not meant to be. And they're going to find people in, in the worst possible conditions. They're going to be the first people that a lot of these uh, migrants will see come into contact. That's the first mm-hmm. representative of this country is a Border Patrol agent a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's rendering aid you know, crossing the river. It looks calm in some places. It looks like it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. And, uh, but they get in and they, they find themselves in trouble. And guess what? Who is out there on patrol? Border Patrol agents. And they're going to be the ones that are going to be responsible for rescuing. So uh, just by virtue of the fact of where they do the job, they find themselves in these locations. And because the border is so vast and because we have so many agents out on patrol, those rescues really every year are in the 100s, Several hundred. I think uh, there was one year it was close to a thousand rescues that uh, it was uh, when I was in Laredo. It just that's a staggering number uh, when you think about it. That uh, that almost a thousand people owe their lives to the fact that there was a border patrol agent out there that could save them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All of these things that we're talking about when we talk about the the partnerships and getting out there and getting involved in the community, letting them get to know us. That all goes towards a a goal, and that is establishing and maintaining the public's trust. Yes. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as a, as a, as a congressman, as an attorney. I don't think any law enforcement organization can exist and function without that core critical aspect. We have to have the trust of those we serve. And so everything we do has to revolve around establishing that and maintaining it. 
Talk a little bit about that. You know, if um, people lose confidence or their trust in a uh, law enforcement agency or even in a government itself, I mean, you know, just just talk about democracy. One of the basic things in a democracy is you got to have trust, uh, confidence in your institutions, uh, whether it's government or whether it's law enforcement. That trust and that confidence is so important uh, to have because otherwise, if you don't, uh, then you got a big problem with uh, with the public at large. Uh, and this is why that that constant uh, nourishing, uh, building the trust and the confidence, it's so important. How do you do that? I mean, there's so many ways. You build that by doing your job in a professional way. If you do that in a professional way without being swayed with politics, I'll bring that up, people are going to trust you. Hey, they're doing their job and they're doing it right. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, there's this political party, so they're now over here. Oh, no, now they're over here. Imagine if, if uh, Border Patrol just swayed with the winds, just went with the winds, then you know people would not have trust. I mean, you see that uh, in, in government. I mean, look at how divided our government is, is because p- people have trust and some people don't have to trust in government. And you can't, as the law enforcement, especially in the critical job that you provide in law and order, you cannot lose that. I think law enforcement, um, uh, the military, the judiciary. I mean, there are certain institutions in our democracy that cannot lose the confidence or the trust of the public at large. If you do that, then you got serious problems. And I, that is something that, that we that are in those professions or in those fields have to always actively work to preserve and protect. That is not something we can ever just put on autopilot yeah. and let go. That's true. And I think it, kind of to what you're talking about, the American people probably trust stability and dependability. They know that we're steadfast, and that's what makes them trust us. The other piece of that, I would say, is the transparency. They have to know who we are and what we're about. They have to be able to see the truth about what's going on, and that's where the subject matter expertise and that's where the objective facts come into play. As a Border Patrol agent that's out there on patrol and and in their uh, communities, what we tell the trainees is, you're ambassadors of this green family that, uh, to your loved ones, to your families, to your neighbors, to your communities, because they're going to see who you are. They, forever and always, when you graduate this academy, the title Border Patrol agent is attached to you. It's part of who you are. And so because they know that, they're going to ask questions. And they're going to they're going to want to know, hey, what's it like for you? Yeah. That's that communication that you're talking about. That's that being involved in the, in the, in the communities. That helps public's trust as well, does it not? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, I think you, you well said it. Uh, that communication, that building, that trust is so, so important on that. So, well said. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> not bad from an Okie from Muskogee, right? <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Slow-mo. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Just like, just like their football team. <laughs> oh, so, I, don't, I don't think that was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about losing the public trust. That <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's the What's the saying? I, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got there as soon as I could. Yeah, yeah, big right, part of my yeah. Big part of my life, and uh, and very thankful for it. So, 
you can talk to the men and women of the Border Patrol right you, now. You, you do know, uh, it, you know, we're among friends and in our community. <laughs> so I was telling uh, some of the friends, hey, we need to build a wall. You know, on that river, there's too many people <laughs> coming across, and we got to stop that. <laughs> Now, I'm talking about the Rio Grande. I'm talking about the Red River because those guys in Oklahoma, <laughs> they keep coming into Texas. <laughs> you thought I was going to get political on the Oh, I, I, knew where, I knew where you were going with that. I know the Red River robbery. I know what that's all about. No, so, and you can, you know, from obviously Border Patrol agents come from all walks of life. And if you could talk to each one of them right now and have them hear something about uh, you and your peers up in Congress and, and, what they need from us, what they expect, uh, now's the chance. What, what do you want to tell them? And, and, and you know, what, one of the things that I think members of Congress need is we need to be, and I'll use the word educated, we need to be informed of what you all do. I mean, I think that's so important. Um, you know, you've heard me say this 20 million times. I live in the border. I don't just go visit for a few hours and think I know the border. And while I'm there at the border, I ask the questions. I, I ask, you know, what about this? How does this work? How does on this? And, and I mean, I think I know it well. I'm not an expert, but I know it well because I know how to ask the questions. And I think uh, that's what agents uh, need to be able to do. They need to provide answers uh, to the questions and uh, you know and, and it doesn't have to be um, anything formal if you know a member of Congress uh, uh, or you know a senator just you know whenever you have time hey how are you doing hey have you visited our facility do you know how this works do you know how we train folks uh, and just have them come in I'm, I'm sure Congressional Affairs is gonna jump in and I always say, never leave without Congressional Affairs, is my <laughs> saying. But, I mean, just, you know, just as a, um, you know, a member of the community, you run into somebody and just, you know, talk to them and just explain. Don't lobby. You know, you mm -hmm. can't do lobbying, but you can provide education. And I think that's important because, you know, you said, you know, just to be quiet and silent, I, I don't think that works anymore. I mean, I think... You know, in a very respectful way, just provide information to uh, to members because the best decisions are the ones that are based on facts. Facts. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's it. I mean, it's uh, you know, as you know, uh, 2014 and just uh, you know a month ago, I released some photos because I wanted people to see the facts. What's happening at the border patrol facilities? I don't blame the men and women. I mean, you know, the men and women are there to do a job. Uh, and it's tough, and people need to understand, uh, you know, the overwhelming numbers right now that we're seeing there. But your men and women are professionals. They handle that very well. You know, they might be on the field, on the ground, or other times they're there taking care of, you know, babies, you know. And, and I mean babies. You've seen some of them. Uh, um, I mean, it's very difficult. And, and, and you know, keep in mind, you know, in, in this world, there's good and bad. There's, you know, evil out there. There's good out there. You know, the, the bad guys, they're not the nicest people out there. Uh, and when they smuggle those folks or traffic these folks, it doesn't stop in the border. No. It, it happens over here. We were talking about the rip crews where sometimes they go in and, and, and steal a load of drugs. Uh, they can also go in and steal a load of migrants. It happens. Yep. And people need to understand 
that it doesn't just happen and stops in the middle of the Rio Grande or, you know, at the, at the border between the U.S. and Mexico and New Mexico and all that, but it happens. And this is why, you know, your agents, you know, you have the agents are, do the patrol, but you also have intelligence. And it's a partnership that you do. What are your relationship with, you know, some of your intel in Mexico? What's the technology that you have up there? Do you have aerostats that can catch that? Do you have drones, uh, the predators out there? You know, what do you have out there? Uh, some of the new uh, towers that we have, uh, very innovative towers that we have out there to provide you the, the intel on that. But technology and all that, uh, what you need, we won't know unless if y'all spend time with us. And I encourage them uh, to uh, spend a little bit of time uh, with their, their members of Congress or the senators. I mean, everybody has one, at least one member and two senators. No matter where you live, you have one member, at least one member, uh, or um, uh, and two senators. Spend time, just talk to them, get to know them. Well, and, and thank you for the for the the words of encouragement, and, and I know it means a lot to everybody that, that's that's going to hear you say that. And you talked about how determined the adversary was, and, and these cartels and these smugglers. And if you do this job long enough, if you're around it long enough, you're going to see tragedy. And I think back, you know, as you're as you're talking about the need for the additional resources and technology, and and to try and do the best job possible, I think back to that. Uh, that incident in Laredo some years back, where the uh, the tractor trailer load, where the, the guy walked away and left somebody, uh, left uh, several people in the back of a trailer in a Walmart parking lot, and yeah. so many of them died in such a horrible way. That haunts me to this day. I still think about it, and there's stories like that. That the longer you do this job, it's going to drive home the point that you just made. There are some bad people out there. Yeah. Border patrol agents are not them. They are the ones that are trying to make a difference and, and, and do better. And I believe that with every fiber of my being, or I would not be wearing this uniform. And one of the things that we do to prepare the agents going out to the field starts here at the academy. It's the basic training that they receive, and you're getting a chance to, to see that. I think it's the first time you got to visit us here, it's right? It's the first time, yes. What do you think so far? Well, let me tell you, it, it, it's, um, first of all, graduations, any graduation, it's always, um, uh, it's uh, very emotional because you, um, you know, see the faces and, you know, they're, they're eager, they're ready to get to work and all that. Uh, but I really appreciate this invitation. It uh, has helped me a lot. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I hear about graduation, but I had no idea. I just know that they're graduating, you know. But seeing this and what we're going to continue seeing uh, today is going to be very helpful uh, so I can do my job better. Well, we appreciate Seriously, uh, you taking the time to come visit us, and we hope it's not the last time. And and thank you for all that you've done to be a good partner with the men and women of the Border Patrol. And and certainly we want to be that good partner for you and and your peers in Congress as well. We wish you all well. We know that uh, no matter what your thoughts on any given topic are, you're public servants, and you all do it because you care. And and we're thankful for that. And so, any parting words you'd like to give? I, I do. I just have to say something I saw here today. Because uh, when we're talking to some of them, I ask them, where are you from? Where are you going to? Uh, and you bring in people from different uh, walks of life, different parts of the country, uh, uh, different ethnic groups that are coming in, and different experiences, you know, some military, some law enforcement, some different type of experiences in, in life. But you all bring them together, and you make it into a unit, and you make it into a family. And I notice how much you use the word family. 
somos familia. We are family because yep. it's a family. You're able to bring these people from different and then put them all together. Uh, and I just have to say, uh, from what I saw here today, it's very impressive. So, Chief, I want to say to you and to your instructors, your job well done. Thank you, sir. That means a lot coming from you. Congressman Cuellar, ladies and gentlemen, and that's going to do it for another episode of What's Important Now. We'll talk again soon. Stay safe out there. Tough times, but we'll get through it. Honor first. <laughs>